to A Culture of Innovation. We interview exceptional leaders who embrace and demonstrate innovation. Hear their stories and listen as we explore turning ideas into tangible ways to create value and cultivate innovation as a way of life. Listen and be inspired as an innovative leader. Together, we shape culture and change the world. Culture of Innovation is brought to you by Ridge Innovative, where we practice innovation with a purpose to help companies use technology and breakthrough strategies to achieve business outcomes. And I'm your host, Nancy Ridge, and I'm thrilled to have as our guest today, uh, Mark Helfinger, who is the CEO at PCCW Global. Mark's been with them for the past 20 years, of which the last 13 he served as the CEO. During that time, he's led the company through a period of significant growth and transformation. Mark was the chairman of the Global Leaders Forum and the ITW Founders Council, was also a member of the Board of Governors of the Pacific Telecommunications Council, and he's on the Board of Directors and Executive Committee of the Bridge Alliance, a group of 34 major mobile telecommunications companies spread across Asia, Australia, Africa, and the Middle East. Truly a global citizen. Mark, thank you for joining us today. We're so pleased to have you. Nancy, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. So I want to start off by asking a question that I ask all my guests. It's always interesting to get a perspective. What is one example of innovation that you've seen deliver great business outcomes? Quite honestly, innovation or disruption, whatever you wish to call it, a good business outcome is when a user is satisfied with the change that has evolved, something that makes their life more efficient, and that could be through productivity or through cost. And obviously, a user would appreciate if both can be achieved simultaneously. And I think that that that's the basics of innovation today as as we move forward in an increasingly code-based world. Absolutely. You know, and uh, to say that a user is satisfied with a change, you know, really ties into, you know, so much of what we're seeing in terms of trends, uh, where we're going from this world where almost even on the enterprise side, people are expecting to have a consumer type experience. Um, For just for uh, Context, though, for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, PCCW is a $1.1 billion company. Now, you've been leading it for 13 years, and my understanding is you're based in Hong Kong, which sounds very exotic and exciting to me. (laughs) And a major distinction of PCCW is Console Connect. And from my understanding, it enables the transition from traditional connectivity to a software-defined global fabric. Can you tell us more about that? First of all, let me just um, modify a couple of the numbers and and straighten up some of the nomenclature, and and maybe that'll be helpful. Uh, PCCW Global, which is the company that I manage, is part of the PCCW Group family of companies. PCCW Corporation is publicly traded on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange under stock code 0008, and it has a, a subsidiary which trades as a business trust, which is called HKT, 
also traded on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange under stock code 6823. And PCCW Global, despite the name PCCW, actually belongs to HKT. And uh, we have been operating under ah. the HKT. We have been operating under the HKT auspices. Uh, its market cap today, uh, by chance, happens to be around the 10 billion US dollar uh, range. Uh, and PCCW Global's responsibility within that context is to look after the international business. And in fact, our our revenue does hover around that one billion dollar neighborhood. It depends. We we manage some things on behalf of HKT. And uh, we're reported as a division, and anyone can have a look in in the public uh, accounts in order to understand better about what we do. Uh, about four years ago, we acquired a technology company that was based partly in California, partly in Australia, partly in Europe, partly in Asia, called Console Connect. And Console Connect is a software-defined interconnection platform that allows users to direct connect to cloud on an automated basis allows users to direct connect to any data center that's on net to the platform and allows users to interconnect to any network as well and so that platform provides cloud to cloud cloud to network network to network and very importantly user to user and there are a number of features around that and since 2017 we've taken our global IP backbone, our transmission network, which was quite characteristic in the day of many of the international telecommunications service providers. And we've completely converted ourselves to become a technology company that is doing its very best every day to innovate. As you prefer to say, we are part of that innovative e ecosystem. And Console Connect, I would argue, despite the fact that PCCW Global paid to get Console Connect, in fact, the culture of Console Connect has actually acquired PCCW Global. And so that's the innovation that we're talking about. We're talking about innovation through on-demand automation, innovation through cultural change, and innovation through complete digital transformation. Hopefully that's a helpful clarification of what we do. I love it. Um, and thank you, by the way, for the distinctions on the company. Really important. And, you know, the the um, the operation center of today for many of these connectivity companies, uh, from what I have gathered, again, just really seeking to follow a little bit of of what you're enabling through this culture that you've created is the ability to see both the connectivity and the code from that single pane of glass, which I think is, you know, quite, uh, quite important, especially considering all the security issues that are happening out there today. What, how do you see that really um, making an impact on network performance and network management from a security standpoint? Oh, I'll deal with security in a moment, and I'm glad that you brought up the single pane of glass because that's often used uh, to monitor, to report, or to provide an alert. But here, our pane of glass actually gives a user individual flexibility in the services that they decide to use through the Console Connect platform. Today, a user can order on demand an IP backbone connection and they can flex the bandwidth up or down 
They can decide if they want that connection for a day, a week, a month, or a year. Having the ability to flex bandwidth and to determine the duration of a contract is something which is unusual. It's providing cloud-like capability for what would have traditionally been a, 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 an old style telecommunications connectivity service. And so the ability that we provide a user to directly interconnect to any cloud, to order on demand the amount of bandwidth and the duration of time that they want in order to access an environment. And now adding additional features such as the ability to go directly to a cloud through our pane of glass and order up a virtual machine, compute, store. The ability to go into IoT and to order up uh, SIM cards that would be provisioned on an automated basis downstream in another network or at another data center or another cloud, I think that that's quite exciting. So the pane of glass in terms of monitoring, yes, but we're also providing that pane of glass in order to completely innovate the flexibility of operations. And I think that that's the novel idea that we brought to the table. It requires a huge amount of code. It requires to rethink processes on behalf of the user and on behalf of us as the service provider. We've decided not to design from the network out to the user, but rather to use design thinking to design from the user's requirement back into the network. And I think that, that that's what we've done. That is hugely innovative. <laughs> that's what we've done uniquely. I, and, and operationally, I would say, since you touched on it, I would say it's important to bear in mind that in order to do things like that, you have to bring software engineers and network engineers and hardware engineers together around around the same table and they have to speak the same language. And one of the things that we did is we took our IP backbone that was being run by the IP engineers, network engineers, hardware engineers, and we said, no, you're going to have to work together with the software engineering team and we're gonna put the two of you together. And we made sure that everyone was speaking from the same sheet of music, so to speak, in order to deliver the value we're talking about. To your question about security, I'll say that the moment that we have a vertically integrated environment, which is the physical layer of transmission, and on that, the physical layer of IP backbone. All of that orchestrated holistically by the automated on-demand platform. It gives us the ability to, first of all, allow users to control the quality of service that they get, and at the same time, to give the users tools to access every element of security that's necessary to protect their workload. And in that regard, I think that the team does an excellent job. Uh, security is a day in, day out fight. And we have a global service yeah. operation centers around the world. And we have one location in Europe, which focuses 24 by seven specifically on security. And their work is then complemented by our other five uh, operation centers in different locations around the world, in the Americas, in Europe, in Africa, and in Asia. And I think that uh, that all of those go seamlessly together. Uh, we don't usually get into the specifics of what we do uh, on the security side for various reasons, but I am confident that the way we operate and the way we provide users secure environments is um, extremely useful and beneficial. Mm-hmm. That um, 
Mark, I just, it is so transformative what you're describing on so many levels. And having been in the connectivity space for for so many years, really uh, what you've accomplished and what's occurring in this model is beyond, I think, the dreams that any of us had even, you know, five years ago. So uh, kudos. And you've also been a really active member of MEF, which is an industry leading uh, forum that develops this global federation of network cloud and technology. Um, I listened to a talk that you gave at one of their conferences where you discussed the need for a common information model, a federation framework, if you will, uh, where we can ascribe to that as a global community. Would you share with our listeners your vision for interoperability from a technical commercial settlement and technology perspective? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you heard that. That was, uh, I think, a talk that we delivered a couple of years ago. First, let me just say, it's not just me that's involved in, in MEF. I think that uh, many, many colleagues at PCCW Global and at Console Connect uh, are daily involved in multiple forums. MEF is one of the uh, one of the forms that we feel strongly about in a positive way because of their success in bringing together uh, ICT service providers, ICT vendors, uh, standards bodies, all of them around a common table uh, in order to discuss what are the challenges that the industry faces as it continuously seeks to transform. Once upon a time, the services that we delivered, whether domestically or internationally, were arguably two-dimensional. That is to say, we would offer a minute of voice traffic or a, a message going from point A to point B or a data line at a fixed amount of bandwidth going from point A to point Z. Actually, that two-dimensional universe still exists as a baseline of value in the ICT industry, but the world has become infinitely more complex. Today, we have clouds delivering 1,000, 2,000, even 3,000 different features. We have on-demand requirements for spinning up a virtual machine or delivering some sort of compute. We have bandwidth requirements that are no longer about going from point A to point Z, but rather going to multiple locations in different types of situations, being used for only specific amounts of time. We have what I would refer to as asymmetric use cases in the ICT mm. industry. Whereas before we were two-dimensionally symmetric, now we've become multi-dimensional and asymmetric. How do you organize a world which <laughs> used to be rather simple to organize through a set of agreements, through a set of common arrangements among service providers in order to deliver a ubiquitous end-to-end -end service across a network or across an environment? How do you now create some form of interoperability so that a user can see ubiquitous delivery of their requirements that would involve a network, that would involve a cloud, that would involve a mobile operator, that would involve an application. How do we do that? And these are the challenges which I think MEF and other standards forms have set about to try and resolve. And the message that, that myself and the team delivered a couple of years ago was, we need to make sure that we're focusing on how to assure an information model that's agreed amongst the different silos, the different stakeholders within this complex ICT ecosystem so that we can deliver ubiquity 
to end users, even if the environment is becoming complex. And I focused there in that talk on a few very common areas. Number one is identity. Number two is how do we share information about inventory? And number three, what's often forgotten in technical forums is the requirement to commercially settle for a unit of value that originates in one environment, whether it be a network, a cloud, a data center, or an application, and to settle that as it crosses over into another environment. How do we make sure that we can deliver on identity, on inventory and settlement with cross purposes so that the concepts that were brought about, which really is the very core of communications, which is interoperability, how do we make sure that we can deliver that technically and commercially without ego so that users <laughs> can get value from everything that's out there? What's the model that can serve all of us and be beneficial to the development of ICT as a value set? And, and that's really what, what we tried to convey. And I think, honestly, uh, math and others like TM Forum, GSMA, and, 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 uh, and even ITU are really making strong steps in those directions. Etsy in Europe as well, I think a forum that's moving forward on some thoughts here. Some are talking about distributed ledger as a tool set. Uh, some are talking about the stepping stones, leveraging APIs, making sure that they're there. But I think most importantly, one of the concepts that uh, is continues to be promoted at the GLF where, I, where I'm still a member is the notion of interoperability. And can we get more than just physical networks to interoperate with one another? I think that would be an exciting day. And I'm hopeful that soon data centers, clouds and applications will join in on the parade. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned APIs, and I've heard it said by a number of innovative leaders that we really need to move or look at moving beyond APIs in order to scale at the level that's going to be needed to address this massive data that's coming, uh, coming now through IoT, through AI, uh, through machine learning. And I can only imagine the common modeling approach you've described uh, happening with wholesale buy-in from our leaders, um, you know, for an agile collaboration. You know, this, what you're describing moments ago, you know, will require not only that agile collaboration, but I have to believe that a platform of trust is needed as well. You mentioned, you know, setting the ego aside. Uh, how do you see this happening? And, you know, what part will some of those organizations you mentioned and other forms continue to play. And, and even, you know, I wonder, will governments need to co-sign this type of global community? Well, it's, you know, those are all fair comments. You know, it sounds like you're commenting and, and asking the question at the same time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't challenge your message. I'll just say that we, we at uh, PCCW Global and Consul Connect, even during COVID, continue to travel the world and to meet players in the ICT ecosystem at all stages of evolution. And when you, uh, when you look at a globally evolving ICT industry, I think we need to accept that not everything happens together and overnight. And so we need to be, we need to be sensitive to 
the stages of evolution. You'll see some markets that are already going to cryptocurrency and, and planning the exit of cash for their financial economies. And you'll see some service providers that are already going to use forms of distributed ledger blockchain and its various elements in order to deliver that element of trust that you were talking about. And arguably distributed ledger can, can serve if code is written well and in a ubiquitous manner uh, for smart contracting between and among users could arguably uh, be a step-by-step -step replacement for APIs. But remember APIs, are really a stepping stone from the physical network to network interconnects that we've had. They're code-based exchanges of information so that, so that we can use code in order to exchange information and data and allow one environment to leverage another's environment. And these, that's great stuff. We just have to remember that the technical piece has to come together with a commercial piece. And I think that that element of trust that you're talking about or the complexity that comes with trust, perhaps, can be delivered from a distributed ledger environment. And I see that we're going there slowly. I advocate for it, but I'm also quite respectful of the process associated with APIs and where they said, because these are stepping stones and some entities in our ecosystem would prefer at this point in time uh, to work in that structure. And I think first and foremost is the concept. We have to say, look, it's important to assure interoperability across environments in the ICT ecosystem, whether it be network or cloud or data center application or any form of infrastructure and capability, we need to assure that. And if a counterparty least common denominator is a physical interconnect, I'll keep going with that. And if a, and if a counterparty's least common denominator is an API, I'll go with that. And if common, and, and if it, the, the counterparty's preferred approach is do is to do distributed ledger. We are doing that. And so I think these are important things to bear in mind and we have to be there as the ecosystem evolves. And uh, hopefully that's, that's a fair message. Yeah. And so really, you know, too, I, what I'm hearing you say is it's also a mindset of flexibility as well as, you know, the technology basis, you know, where we're creating flexibility in the technology but also keeping that mindset at the same time. Um, you know, it, it's a process is what I'm hearing. I, I'm with you. We have to be evolving. Uh, you know, at, at uh, Console Connect and PCCW Global, internally in our organization, we've de uh, deployed a, uh, a, a working framework called SAFE, Scaled Agile Framework. Uh, we're actually in Series 5 of, uh, of the SAFE uh, operating workflow environment. And anyone can go to uh, SAFE in, uh, on the web in order to understand more about it. And you'll see that, that very clear mandate of how to work transparently and how to make sure that counterparties in an organization and any outfacing organization can understand where we are, where we're going and why. And it's our job uh, not to set the law, but to work within the framework of acceptability of what others are willing to do. We have one set of rules, and that is speak clearly and transparently as best possible so that we all understand each other. Second, make sure that when we're on the street, we're inviting developer communities uh, to write to our environment in API, and those who wish to go to a distributed ledger environment, welcome them in and work according to the frameworks that we've helped invigorate. 
Uh, we're part of a, a group called CBAN, which has helped write some very helpful standards, in my view, around distributed ledger for networks, clouds, and applications. And we're already doing work in that space with counterparty service providers around inventory and identity. And I'm hopeful that very soon we're going to get to some useful cases around settlement as well. And all of these are stepping stones. Uh, we can't, unfortunately, do it overnight unless everyone together overnight wakes up and says, yes, let's completely change. And we all agree where that's going to happen. But that that is perhaps a more complex story. And so we have to just keep pushing, keep pushing every day in order to get to the next step. Well, that's really encouraging to hear about uh, CBAN, for example, because, you know, I think that can create a comfort level, you know, having those standards, which will allow uh, organizations and people to embrace, you know, something like uh, blockchain as a new basis. You know, it's, it, I think there's a general agreement that this is a wonderful methodology. It opens so many doors and yet, you know, it still feels beyond the reach for many to actually practically implement. And yet, you know, we've seen so many uh, areas of technology expand through the pandemic. Um, how have you seen it accelerate uh, this massive shift and what do you see on the immediate horizon? I, I you know, it's, it's an interesting question, and, and I think that every day uh, we're sort of checking ourselves, if you will, around around COVID. And when I say ourselves, I think all, all humankind worldwide, we're seeing a globally common problem being dealt with by different jurisdictions asymmetrically. Some have completely focused on vaccine distribution and uh, sort of marginalize the requirement associated with epidemiological control at the borders. Other jurisdictions have focused almost exclusively on epidemiological control and their populations have taken perhaps uh, a, a less urgent view associated with vaccination distribution. And mm -hmm. yeah, well, Japan's day, a good example of that, right? And here we it, have it, the Olympics. Well, we're seeing what, what we're seeing is asymmetry asymmetry around the world. And, and uh, it's interesting that the World Health Organization leadership is making comments around that and what the concerns are. And what you see when there's an asymmetric approach, you see that the, that the problem persists and it can pop its head in different ways in different locations. And that requires innovation in each jurisdiction in order to try and help and deal with the nuance of the challenge in their specific location. What's, what's been nice, so to speak, from COVID has been the drive towards technological innovation around healthcare and healthcare management. And I think that that's an excellent uh, impact. It's very sad mm -hmm. though, that more than 4 million people have already lost their lives and almost 200 million, I think we're coming close to that have contracted the disease and suffered from it in some way, shape or form worldwide. And it doesn't seem, unfortunately, to be truly abating. And uh, so I think COVID is going to be with us for a while. And what we saw was mm -hmm. for a company like ourselves that was focused on global distribution, on a lot of travel, on boots on the ground, we actually used the period of time to really focus on our 
internal operating principles surrounding the scaled agile framework, SAFE, as I explained before. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. found that by focusing on that, we could actually deliver accelerated outcomes in the use of technology. And we're excited about that. And uh, I've actually said to our colleagues around the world, we have to continue focusing on what we do, but we have to innovate in our perception of what it is we're supposed to do. Once upon a time, we were going to just build human relationships in order to convince customers to leverage our network in order to connect. Now we need to be out there technologically with many more forms of messaging to get to decision makers who will understand that we can help them in their technological Mm -hmm. innovation process while we continue in ours. And Mm -hmm. I think we have to be very open and honest with our user base that we are constantly evolving and we'd like to help them do the same. And that requires a complete shift in mindset a new honesty, if you will, with the user base. And uh, COVID, I think, has been helpful to all of us to sort of look in the mirror, take stock of where we are, of where we wish to go, and to identify what are the limits of constant travel, constant this and that, and really focus on using the tools of technology for ourselves to develop our platform and then to make those available to expose our back end to the users so that they can improve what they wish to do with technology. I think that's that's what COVID has brought to us and it's brought us to a situation where we are accelerating. And I often sign some of the notes to our colleagues internally. I simply sign at the end, accelerate, period. <laughs> and and I, I'm hopeful that our colleagues are going in that direction. That's that's incredible, Mark. And I'm struck by the level of thoughtfulness that is behind that. And and listening, you know, to your response, I really see how that pause, you know, that COVID created really did foster an opportunity for all of us to be more thoughtful, to look more broadly to not just um, how technology can serve that greater purpose beyond our own company or organization's particular objectives, but you know how it has unified us in so many ways and how important it really is to have that acceleration, which has to come from a place of stillness. What an interesting dichotomy. I think that's, I think you're describing life, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, that's what we're doing, right? We're we're living lives and and of course, you know, your your place here has been as an innovator in the world, in the in the space and in the context of technology, but at the same time, you know, how what a beautiful thing to be able to see that relationship, you know, yeah, and just, how it, it just, ties together. I'll just, uh, I'll just lightly clarify and say it's not me that's innovating, it's the colleagues that work in our organization who are banding together in order to create the innovation. I just have the flattering responsibility of expressing that uh, more widely to people who are interested in hearing about it. But I have to say, we do it very the, innovation, well. <laughs> the innovation is coming from our team and, uh, and, they're, and to watch every day what, what takes place in every program increment 
in every different feature team, in every environment of what's, uh, of what's being brought to bear is, is really exciting. Very exciting. And so I would like to shrink it down a little bit. Um, have you seen, how have you seen innovation change the culture? Uh, you've mentioned your organization, but what about, you know, in a smaller sense, maybe your home or your community? I think, you know, and, uh, you know I, I highlighted how healthcare has been an area where everyone around the world is experiencing some sort of innovation because of, co- because of the juxtaposition of the demands of COVID, jurisdictional requirements, whether it be vaccination distribution or epidemiological control. I think that we're seeing technology increasingly take hold uh, in order to map situations and to help individuals cope. Uh, and I think that, that that's an example of how technology can be deployed in order to help solve for issues. Quite frankly, uh, the mRNA vaccination are technology-based uh, more than the, the traditional vaccinations. Not to say that one or another is more successful. I wouldn't want to take a position there. I'm not expert in the medical side. But technology is everywhere we look. Today, it's rare, I think, to find problems not being solved with code and and technology and understanding how technology is organized to understand how to solve a problem using technology that's where i think the next step of education needs to go and in in that regard i would comment that we're seeing a dramatic amount of innovation in some markets around the world but in countries which haven't yet adopted the thought process that technology is going to solve so many problems. And so therefore we need to begin the process of educating youth around the qualities associated with technology early and to reshape uh, educational systems in that regard. That's not to say that we want to discard the studies of history and economics and so on, but certainly to, to embrace more aggressively what technology can can do and, and to take a little bit more of a, a roadmap forward to think through the educational process around technology, I think that that's important. And we're starting to yeah. see jurisdictions around the world uh, take greater steps and we're starting to see corporations getting involved in that. I fear that, that some are cynical about corporate involvement, but if corporations can help change in this direction, maybe that's good. And I think we have to give all all of the options a chance. I agree. I agree. Um, there's a nonprofit that I, I've gotten to affiliate with called Aspire to Steam that offers uh, scholarships to uh, young women who are in underprivileged uh, situations. And as we continue to uh, un- uncover these young women who really come from all parts of the world and and many of them come from a socioeconomic background that has less privilege, quote unquote, and yet how they're seeing technology is really just so incredibly inspiring because, you know, each and every one of them is bringing their story to the table and how they're looking at their own environment and applying technology to it, along with that creative aspect of it. Um, it's really fun to try to support those types of of organizations, and I do encourage corporations to, you know, to get behind them 
You know, it's, it's not as if they have to, you know, get attached in, in some way that is uh, completely structured. You know, it can just be, hey, we're going to offer a scholarship to a kid that has some great ideas. You know, keeping it simple, I think, is one way to support and spread that education. Fully so agree. I always take an opportunity, Mark, to talk about, you know, these nonprofits because um, I, I see that as being such a, a doorway, you know, for so many of the young people. Uh, I agree. I agree. And by the way, PTC, Pacific Telecommunications Council, which I used to be on their uh, board of governors and, and which PCW Global is uh, honored to be a member, uh, they do a lot of work in this space and particularly around uh, the meeting point between academia and industry and uh, uh, people who are listening in on this uh, on this call uh, may want to have a look at that and, and take part. Oh, I'm going to definitely dive into that too. Well, okay, let's have some fun now. So what innovation would you most like to see gain adoption? And it could be anything. I had one of my guests talked about, you know, they wanted the Star Trek Be Me Up Scotty uh, innovation to <laughs> come to reality so they could didn't have to get on an airplane anymore. <laughs> any any thoughts? I'm not sure what you're asking. You know, give it to what what is it that you want for me specifically about about anything the, like if you if you could dream and say, hey, if there was some way that technology could enable, I don't know, it might be fun, it might be, you know, anything whimsical for you just to just to cast that that wide net for a moment what might it be well i've i've always been in this business uh and this this might sound a little uh little corny but i've always been in this business because i <laughs> believe that i i believe that communications is here uh for exactly the purpose of the word to communicate and if there is a way to foster peace worldwide. It's through communications. I fully accept that there are different ideas, political ideologies, aspirations, jurisdictional differences of view. I get all that. But at the end of the day, if we're all going to share this planet, it's probably best to do so in as peaceful a manner as possible, despite differing views. And uh, I'm quite hopeful that increasingly we will find ways to isolate the communications part of human behavior and all of the technology uses associated with communications to help assure that those technology achievements are available ubiquitously globally in order to increasingly facilitate peaceful dialogue. To say peace is probably a bit too ambitious, but peaceful dialogue. I think is, uh, is a good aspirational point. And to be honest with you, whenever I get up in the morning, I say, well, why am I getting up to do what I do? It's often because I firmly believe that those of us in the ICT ecosystem are here to facilitate interoperable communications that at a minimum are aspiring for peaceful dialogue. And that, that's where I'm aiming for. And if what we do can help drive to that, then I think we've done our small piece. And I'm hopeful that we're also perhaps blazing a path for the generations to come. 
that will improve upon that. Instead of looking at the world ethnocentrically or with specific ecosystems not willing to interconnect or to interoperate with one another. Because I think that's where we fall down. When there is yeah. universal interoperability, it gives us that last remnant of opportunity to communicate with one another, even at a point of extreme conflict. Mm, yeah, that's great. I, You know what? I am behind you on that one. Let's Let's see how we can foster peaceful dialogue, even today. I'm going to take that with me, Mark, to all of my uh, interactions today, as small as they may be, with that greater intention. Thank you so much for that. My and pleasure. Thank for you. Being... Thank you for giving me a platform to speak with you. That's it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you were with us today, and. By the way, I did get to meet you through PTC, our friend Gary Kim. So right, uh, right. thanks to thanks to Gary for making that connection. And for those of you who are listening, thank you for joining us. And please don't forget to subscribe at www.soundcloud.com, Culture of Innovation, to get updates on new episodes. And you'll also find us on iTunes. And be sure to check us out at www.ridgeinnovative.com. Have a breakthrough day and we'll see you next time.